This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the mom room. If you're watching on YouTube, I know my sign is over there and I'm over here. So the reason I did that, I'm trying to make the setup in this studio more. And yes, I never stop buying equipment, making changes. Like it's just who I am. But I'm trying to find a system that works. So instead of crowding a million things into my studio, because it's not a it's not a big room, I basically cleared everything out except for what I need. So I have my little table, my microphone, my two lights, my computer. That's it. I even moved the other chairs out because I want to be able to just come down here, record. And then if I ever start to do a daily episode, everything is just set up. I walk down here in the morning, give my little spiel and then press upload and it's done. I mean, if I did a daily, I don't know if I would do video. I mean, I could. There's those things that just automatically record and stream. But anyways, here I am. So far, I like this setup. It's similar to the old house where, you know, the camera was further away and you can see me sitting in my little chair. I like that. So anyways, welcome to this solo episode that is, again, a little bit different. But if you're just listening in audio, then it probably just sounds the same. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about content and not social media content because my husband and I actually watched a show on Netflix, which never happens because we either go to bed early by the time Milo goes to bed, we don't have enough time or like there's something about attention spans, especially my own, where if something is not very entertaining, I can't watch it. Like I would rather be doing other stuff that entertains me. I don't know. It's, it's weird. Like a Christmas movie. It's funny. Like I have to mentally prepare to watch something that's not something I'm super interested in. So like right now I'm feeling like I'm in the Christmas spirit. So throwing on a Netflix Christmas movie is fun. And I'm like, okay, I mentally prepare myself like, okay, I'm going to sit here for the next hour and a half and just be entertained by this mindless stuff. But when there's something like, do you remember the days when, what was that show called? Making a Murderer on Netflix. If you have not seen that documentary, and I mean, this was when we lived in Victoria, BC, because I can picture us sitting in our living room in that condo and binge watching making a murderer or making of a murderer. I think it's making a murderer. I miss shows like that where you're so invested and you just have to watch everything. I remember also this was when I was in grad school watching Bloodline, that show. I feel like it's probably on Netflix because I think that's all I had back then. So good. I think the first two or three seasons of Bloodline, incredible. Um, I miss being obsessed with shows like that. Right now, all the reality TV shows that I watch that I love, I'm caught up on them. So it's not like I can just watch a bunch of episodes in a row. I have to wait like a week for the next one to come out. Or it's like, Vanderpump, you know, the new season doesn't come out till January. And so it's a different feel. Anyways, all this to say, we started watching Bad Surgeon 
because my sister told me to watch it. And it's only three episodes, but I think each episode is like an hour long. So it took us maybe three days to watch it. One episode before bed every night. It was shocking that this could happen and did happen recently, especially like my husband's a physician. So he kind of understands how things typically work. And then me coming from a research background, because a lot of it had to do with research, I'm shocked. Like the ethics boards that you have to go through just to be able to run like a simple, very basic like questionnaire research study on like undergrads about what what, what did you eat in the last week? Like the most, you know, no danger or anything involved. So the fact that he was able to do what he did at such a high level, like it just blows my mind how that happened. And it's funny because my sister made the joke about research Rambo when we were talking about that viral uh, daycare is terrible video. And I was watching Bad Surgeon and there were some of his colleagues that, you know, went to the heads of the hospital and were basically like detectives, like private investigators, like they're still doing their regular job. But then in the background, they're trying to figure out what's going on. I was like, those are the real research Rambos. Like somebody give them an award because I know how much they must have been shitting their pants and like your whole career and livelihood is in jeopardy. But you're like, no, like we have to do the right thing and, you know, prove our case because patients are dying. Like, whew, I was like, they, I want to make t-shirts that's a research Rambo and send it to those physicians in Switzerland. But anyways, if you haven't seen Bad Surgeon, it's only three episodes. Take a little watch. And you know what's crazy? I shared about it in my stories and one of my friends messaged me saying, oh my God, that used to be my boss. And I think it was not the surgeon guy, obviously, but one of the people involved. And she was like, I was invited to that wedding which if you watch, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's nuts. Also, I just want to point out like one of the things that he lied about all the time was maybe this is a spoiler alert, but I don't think it is because I feel like from the get go, you know that. Yeah. Anyways, he's talking about this like network of doctors that treats celebrities and very like prominent people like politicians and whatever. And it's like, he would make up these lies like, oh, I have to go um, because Hillary Clinton, like they want me to like go, what do you call it? Like, not like they want me to go like treat Hillary Clinton or like figure out something that's going on. But like this guy is a thoracic surgeon. So why would he be always going to see these celebrities and big prominent people around the world when he's so niche, like his specialty is thoracics, but they were acting like, does nobody else understand that doctors have specialties? Like, unless you're a general physician, in which case you would, it's like when we go see our family doctors, like they deal with what they can deal with, you know, like colds, flus, like 
uh, infections, you know, things that are like that they can prescribe medications for that they know what's going on. But otherwise, they they refer you to a specialist. So like right from the beginning, I was like, why the fuck would this guy be going to see these people? Like, do they have a thoracic surgery emergency? Like, it just made no sense. Anywho, highly recommend. Um, The fact that we watched it should tell you that it was good because we don't watch anything. Um, Fourth Wing, The Fourth Wing, is our next book club pick. And I started reading it a long time ago because I finished our second book, which was These Silent Woods, really early on. And so I asked Alex, I was like, what's going to be your book pick? And she said The Fourth Wing. So I started reading it a long ass time ago, thank God, because it's like over 600 pages. And I'm sorry, but like 300 pages is where I like to, you know, 250, 300 over 600, you better be an incredible book. And I was so ready to just immerse myself into the world of dragons. Like I was so pumped about it. Like, yes, I'm gonna, you know, and I even told my husband, I'm like, I'm going to read my dragon book. And he was like, okay. I was so ready to love it and just be like a diehard fan. But I just found myself not caring about things. And I don't know if it's because Like people are like, oh my God, like the last few chapters were nuts. And I'm like, I I get it. Like there's okay, like dragon battle things happening. And, you know, these people are like the, they call them riders. So they ride the dragons and fight stuff. And they're like protecting their land or whatever it is. And I think because like the whole premise is that this girl switches from being one of the people that like knows all about the history of the land. They call them scribes. So everyone has like their own little job that they do. So she switches from that to being a rider, but she is very petite and, you know, she just is someone that would be unlikely to thrive as a rider because of who she is and her size and stuff like that. So right from the beginning, it's all like her going to the training school and having to pass all these like things where like you could die, like people die. But in the back of my mind, like none of that was exciting to me. Like when she's trying to do all these challenges and like people are trying to, her mom is like a prominent person in the the little land that they have. So people are trying to like attack her and like beat her in battles and the training camp. And none of that was exciting to me because I'm like, I know there's a second book. She's the main character. Nothing is going to happen to her. You know, like it's not like I was reading these like dramatic scenarios, even like right up to the end of the book. Like I just and no character really was like, like I just didn't care. Like one of the other main characters could die and I'd be like, hmm, okay, you know, like I just wasn't into anything. So I read it. I have a little bit left to read in the ending, but I was like, you know what? It's December. I need to go back to what I love to read, which is just give me a good story that's like wholesome. And, you know, there can be some drama and whatever. That's fine but like a real life situation. So right now I'm reading and I wanted it to be a Christmas novel, like about Christmas time because it's December. So I'm reading Bright Lights, Big Christmas right now and it is perfect. It's like 
this family owns a a Christmas tree farm and they set up their little stand in Greenwich, Greenwich Village in New York City. And, you know, the sister isn't working right now. So she has to go help her brother with the tree stand. And yeah, I'm like, this is exactly what I want to read right now. Um, Other content news, Matt Reif. So I was like, what is all this hoopla? Like, holy shit. So I watched the first, probably like one third of his stand-up because I just, I wanted to go to bed. But I get like the domestic violence joke that he made at the beginning. Okay, like you can be upset about that if if you, like if that bothers you. Like, I get it. Some people don't don't find comedy about certain things funny. And that's fine. Like if there was like a joke about child abuse, like I would not find that funny because it just like upsets me. So I can get it. Like I don't relate to that. Like I don't have any history with domestic violence or in my family, like nothing that has affected me enough to where I would be triggered by that joke. Like I just like, okay, it's not very funny and it's not very like something that you would hear nowadays. Like I feel like there's much more funny things to talk about. Um, obviously my husband and I both turn the big four zero next year. And we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Little Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like pot stickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. 
you quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right, the quality is unmatched, you are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. I was like, okay, so like I let that go. And then he's making fun of, because everyone was like, he's bashing women the whole time and that's his audience. And I'm like, okay, like, let's see what he's saying. So he makes fun of women for like having crystals and stuff like that, like mercury and retrograde, like that kind of stuff, which was pretty funny, actually, you know. Uh, And then he like switches topics and I haven't heard him bash or like make fun of women since the crystal stuff. So yeah, I don't know. I'm going to finish that and see what I think. I bought tickets to his Toronto show, which is March 21st, like when they first came on sale. And then I was like, oh my God, like, great. Like, am I gonna have to sell these tickets now? But it turns out that's the week that we're probably gonna go to Vancouver. And that show is on my husband's birthday, which I didn't even notice when I bought the tickets. Like, I was just like, he's coming to Toronto. I wanna go to the show, instantly bought tickets. And then I was looking at them today and I was telling my husband like, oh, when we go to Vancouver, that's the when the Matt Reif show is. So I'm gonna have to sell the tickets. And he's like, he looks at the date of the t- of the show and he's like, that's my birthday. I was like, oh my God, I didn't even like clue in. So anyways, um, we're fighting now. No, I'm just kidding. So yeah, I'm going to finish that comedy special and form an opinion. But I honestly think like, I think women were so obsessed with him in a way that people are, women are not usually obsessed with comedians. So it's like, oh, like we love this guy. Like he's so good looking. He's so cute. Like we love his crowd work and his personality. And like people were having a crush on him basically. And so when he gets up on stage and starts making fun of women in that way, even though it was a joke, like I just, I don't understand. But I think people were like, oh my God, like he's making fun of us, you know? It's just odd. It's just odd. But he's a comedian. Like, we have to understand that that's what he does. You know, like Kevin Hart has things where he makes fun of women, but we don't react in the same way because we're not like, oh my God, I want to date and marry Kevin Hart. We look at him as a comedian. So, anywho, a little bit, how much have I been recording? Okay, so I wanted to talk a little bit about content creators. And so I woke up this morning. This is where this came from. I have known about like Reddit and I know there's lots of bigger like creators that are much bigger than me that have like terrible, it's literally online bullying, massive, like thousands and thousands and thousands of comments from people all over the place, just like saying the most despicable things, like making wild accusations, involving their children, like I have heard it all and it blew my mind. Like, I didn't realize that this was like a whole thing that that happens on the internet. Um, I don't have time to keep up with it or even like I sometimes my friends will send me like a screenshot of something. And I because I think it's like 
it doesn't affect me like it affects other people but also if they ever brought in like my child like I don't know it's it's weird if they don't like me and they think that I'm like a slob that does nothing all day and my husband does everything and like I don't care like I really don't fucking care that's fine but I don't understand how platforms like Reddit allow things like that to happen and I watched this whole highlight reel of this creator's the name of the highlight reel is F around because what she did was hired a pri- like a forensic, a digital like forensics person because she had this Reddit thread that was like nuts. For years, people were just like online bullying basically and making wild accusations. And like creators are real people that have like families and potentially other jobs with like employers and it's wild that they let this happen. And so she hired a forensics person and was just outing. Because the thing about Reddit is people are anonymous, basically. But not if you hire someone to find out who they are. So she literally had a spreadsheet of 200 and some names, where they worked, like who their spouses were, like everything about them. And outed them basically on her massive platform and I was like good for you okay and I understand where people would get nervous to do that because if these people are like so unwell that they spend their evenings in reddit talking shit about people that they don't even know and making stuff up and just being miserable human beings with other miserable human beings like get a hobby Imagine that's your hobby. It just blows my mind. But if people are that unwell to do that, then you kind of get a little bit nervous to be like, like sometimes when I respond to these ridiculously ignorant, angry men that write things on my content, sometimes I'm like, oh my God, like they could be very unwell and like my safety would be in jeopardy. Do you know what I mean? which shouldn't be the case. And so the reason I wanted to bring this up is this morning I wake up to a DM, like in the mornings, I'll usually look at DMs for a little bit. This guy sends me my own video about the tampon where I'm putting like the face wash and water on the tampon, complaining about like how tampons don't work. Okay, like I'm almost 40 years old. I'm complaining about a tampon online. This guy, he's 28 years old sends me because he has a public profile and I can probably look him up, see where he works. Like I know his full name, everything. Sends me a DM that basically says like, go kill yourself. Maybe that will fix the problem. Like just like this totally like vile, ridiculous message. I am unaffected. I don't care. But the thing that really pissed me off and that now I think about these things after doing that episode with um, Frick Allison about the smartphones and like teenagers having a smartphone is how can I call somebody a twat, which like that's funny, guys, in a comment Like he's like bashing me in a comment and I respond saying something sarcastic and then just ending it with you twat. It immediately gets taken down. I get a warning from Instagram. Like my phone's about to explode. I'm like, oh my God, am I kicked off Instagram forever? How does that happen? Like how does Instagram have that level of security 
but somebody can come into my DMs and tell me to kill myself. And that just, that just flies right through. Like, I know that these platforms have the technology and the capability to put things in place to not allow sentences like go kill yourself to show up or to be like allowed to be sent to someone. And it's funny because it seems like direct messages, someone can literally say anything to you. So this goes back to, you know, me, I'm unaffected by that. But a 14-year-old that's like struggling with mental illness or whatever it might be, how do you allow people to go into their private messages and say things like that? But I say you twat on a comment and like the police are going to show up at my door. Make it make sense. Um, Like that pisses me off. And Reddit, how do you allow these like massive forums of basically online bullying from adults to another adult? How do you allow that to happen? You have the capability to not allow it to happen. So anyways, that pissed me off. And so this morning I was like, I can find out everything about this guy. Like he has a picture of him and his girlfriend. Like I could probably find him on Facebook, figure out like who his girlfriend is, send the message that he sent me just on a random day because my video about tampons made him so angry. I could send it to all like his parents. Like I could probably do that. But now in the back of my mind, I'm like, is he going to like come after me? It shouldn't be that way because why can people attack us and we have to like fear for our safety to basically show everybody else what we have to deal with and out the person, you know? So anywho, stay tuned. Stay tuned. I screenshot everything and I might do a little bit of investigative reporting later. Um, okay, so the whole point of this episode, because I'm like a blabber mouth and it's already been 20 minutes and I haven't even gotten to the freaking topic, this is, yeah, I should start a daily show. I really, really should. I really, really should, guys. Okay, are you always the parent that is setting boundaries? Okay, this is what happened the other day. Setting, not only just setting boundaries, but holding the boundary. Okay, that's the real bitch is holding the boundary. It's very easy to set a boundary. Now hold it. Okay. So the other day, my husband was at the hospital, as he sometimes is. And Milo this week has been struggling a little bit with bedtime. So shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. 
This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner, I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment, and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. Instead of it going, no, I shouldn't say that. So the first night where he was struggling is that night. My husband was away. I was at home. So we try to be pretty firm with bedtimes and as like I can tell like as soon as it's time to go into his room like bath time goes great bedtime routine goes great he has a snack with brushes teeth like no issue as soon as it's time to go in his room he either like won't lay down in his bed or he's like you know standing on the bed like going into like a turtle like hover position so that like he's not paying attention to the book that I want to read him. It's just like a whole thing. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Like I know what's about to happen. So he was having a hard time with bedtime and wouldn't go in his room. So he's like standing at the top of the stairs. And I'm like, said over and over again, like Milo, it's bedtime. I'm trying to explain why getting a good sleep is important and blah, blah, blah. He's not listening. He's not having any of it. And I'm like, okay, like I've exhausted all my resources. Now what? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to walk away and brush my teeth, like get myself ready for bed in the meantime, because I don't even know what to do. So I do that and I come out of my room and he's like standing at my door. And I was like, do you want mommy to bring you to bed? Like, are you ready? You want to go lay down? Like mommy can read you a book. No. He's not having it. So I'm like, okay. And then again, exhausted all my resources. Like, what am I supposed to do? So I was like, I try and say things that are not like a bribe, but that kind of will put in his mind like, oh, okay. Like I have something to look forward to tomorrow. So I'm like, you have a big day tomorrow. Like we're, it's like back to school. And if like we gotta, I don't say if, I try never to say if, because that is like a, like a straightforward bribe. Like if you don't do this, then you can't do this. I I say something like, like, you know, like you, do you want to open your advent calendar tomorrow? Like we got to see what the next Lego is because he has this Lego advent calendar. 
and he's just like having none of it. Okay. And now he's starting to say like, now he's starting to get like worked up because I brought up the advent calendar. (laughs) And, uh, so he's at the top of the stairs and I, again, I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm going to turn around and go. And I've been staying so calm, which is shocking because I was deep into luteal phase. I'm so calm. So I turn around and I walk into my room and I kind of just like, like I'm like flicking my hand to the door behind me. And I said something about the advent calendar. I think I said like, like, okay, we're not going to be able to do the advent calendar tomorrow or something just like under my breath and like walked into my room. He lost his damn mind. And I always find like they know when they need to have like an emotional outburst and something just has to happen in order for that to come out. And so in that situation, it was me saying, we might not be able to do the advent calendar tomorrow. And you guys could be listening to this and think like, oh my God, this bitch is like terrible. But this is just what I did in the moment, okay? I didn't know what to do. I have to pee right now, but I'm gonna hold it for you guys. Um, so anyways, he starts losing his mind, screaming for daddy. I want daddy, I want daddy, like, like inconsolable. So now I like walk calmly back into the hallway where he is and I'm like, I'm like, Milo, like, can I talk to you? Like, just trying to, you know, diffuse the situation, not having it. He scream cried and would not let me talk to him. Every time I said anything to him, he lost his damn mind even more. So eventually I just went and laid in his bed. Sometimes that works. Like I'll start like playing with one of his toys or like sitting on his floor um, and he'll come join me eventually. But that didn't happen. So he's screaming for my husband. And I'm laying in his bed now, waiting for it to stop, hoping he'll just come lay down with me. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to cry right now. Like, I'm so upset. Or I'm going to freak out. Like, it was, it could have went either way. Like, I'm either going to lose my damn mind and start like, like, you want to like, it's the whole thing of you want to take control of the situation. And you're, you're just like, you can't control the situation, but you want to. You want to start like slamming doors and like, you know, but I just laid there and I'm like, okay, I am emotional and I'm just going to like wait this out. And so eventually what he did, he stopped crying. He went into my husband's bed and he was looking at a picture of me and my husband in bed. Like how, like, oh my God, this kid. So I calmly walked in there and I was like, hey, like, daddy's not going to be home for a little bit. Like, do you want me to take you to your bed? Like, cause he was exhausted. It was like 930 at this point. And he was like, okay. And so he let me pick him up and bring him to his bed and rub his back. And then he went to sleep, but it got me thinking about the topic of being the parent that sets the boundary, but also holds the boundaries all the time. And so they always call out for the other parent and the other parent like is the good guy for some reason. Like I'm always the one that yells, like even though like I don't yell very often, but even just like he calls yelling, like even just raising your voice. Like if he's gonna hurt himself and I say, oh, my like Milo, like something like that. Safety always makes me raise my voice. Like if he's doing something unsafe, I'm like, ugh. But anyway, so I'm always the one that yells and 
holds boundaries. And then I started to notice like the last few mornings, like I'm the one that's like trying to get his fucking snow pants on and trying to get his boots on. And he's like rubbing my hair as I'm like down at his feet trying to get his boots on. And people might be like, he can do that himself. He's five years old. I know. I always say, Milo, you do this yourself when you're at school. So you need to start doing it at home, like getting dressed, putting your snow pants on, putting your boots on. But we have to leave the house at a certain time. And so how long do we wait around for him to do it? Like he's not listening. He doesn't listen. And we're really trying to work on that right now because we could be like, okay, Milo, get dressed. Milo, get dressed. Milo, get dressed. Milo, brush your teeth. Milo, brush your teeth. Milo, brush your teeth. Like you have to brush your teeth. Like we're going to be late. Like you don't want to be late for school. Like what, what do you do? You know? Eventually, we grab his toothbrush and we're like, okay, open up. Like, we're going to brush your teeth and so that we can get out the goddamn door. So anyways, I started to notice that like I instantly start doing these things. And it's not that my, like, it's not my husband's fault. Like, that's the thing. And so in the last, like this morning, I kind of like stayed in the background and I was tidying up the kitchen and putting his toothbrush away and doing those kinds of things. And even yesterday, I handed my husband his snow pants and my husband was like, what? And I was like, get his snow pants on. Like, you can do this annoying shit, okay? Like, because I'm always the one that's fighting for the snow pants, fighting to get the boots on. Like, and my husband can do it and he does, but I always like take the initiative and do that. And my husband does other stuff. Like, he makes his lunch every single morning. He, like, this is not a bashing the husband situation. This is just... This is how our mornings tend to unfold and I'm starting to pick up on patterns and I'm like, I am always sweating by the time Milo's leaving the house to go to school because I've like fought with him to get dressed while my husband's in the shower upstairs. I fought with him to not actually fight, but you know what I mean? Like if I'm trying to help him get dressed, he's like flopping around like a dead fish and like wiping, like putting his hands all over my head, like trying to stay balanced. And I'm just like, (laughs) trying to get the boots on, like step your foot in, step all the way in, step your fucking foot in. Okay. And so, yeah, I started to wonder, like, am I the bad guy? Because I'm always in these more frustrating situations. But you know what frustrating situation my husband often finds himself in is bath time, washing his hair. But I will say, my husband doesn't give him any time to like chill in the bath. It's like as soon as his butt hits the water, my husband's like dumping water on his head. And I'm like, can you just let him ease into his bath? Because Milo's screaming like, stop it, stop it. Like, let him play for a bit. Like, you know, and so that is one thing that Milo always gets pissed off because like my husband starts washing his hair right away. But anyways, it was just like an interesting thing to think about, like always feeling like you're the bad parent, like you're the bad cop. And so even in enjoyable moments, like they're like they want the other parent or they and I'm like, what the fuck? Like he's like, you never play with me. I'm like, are you kidding? Like I'm the one that plays pretend and like actually like puts on character like situations and is a goddamn clown half the time, you know, but it's like I'm also the one that sets and holds boundaries and has like conversations about him not listening and, 
You know, like every time I bring up like, Milo, you really have to start listening. It's like, you always say the same thing. Like, and I'm like, oh my God, like, can I not say anything? Anyways, he's five, so we'll be fine. But it was just an interesting thing to think about. And, and I'm sure so many of you find yourself in that situation where you have to do all the not fun stuff. But yeah, I started to pick up on it and I was like, okay, I'm gonna just tidy the kitchen here and you can get his boots on and get him out the door. So um, I just wanted to point that out today. So thanks guys for listening to the number one podcast for moms. Uh, if you haven't already, please send our podcast to a friend so that we can grow this show and take over the world. Um, probably some changes coming up in the future. I'm just like pondering all the different possibilities, you know. Uh, hopefully a live show next year. I've wanted to do that forever. It's just like the logistics. Oh, good heavens. And yeah, the podcast with my sister will start January 1st. I'm very excited for that. So yeah, thanks so much. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe. Subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Then you can see my my face. Okay? All right. Bye.